We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it. Our two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm great. Good. Happy Saturday. We're recording on a Saturday. Yay. Happy weekend. Yay. Um, have, did you have a good, good blah, blah, blah. Did you have a good week? <laughs> I did. It was busy. Lots going on, but it was definitely good. How about you? I did. I had a really good week. Um, I actually was in a little bit of a funk this week. I don't know. There was a couple of days where I was, it actually wasn't a couple of days. It was Thursday. I was struggling a little bit. I don't know. I was in a mood and there was like this, have you ever had that like anger, like not anger, but like that feeling bubbling underneath that's like a low boil in your belly. Like they're just like, I just want to explode and I had no reason to want to nothing happened nothing it was nothing it was there was just nothing going on but I had that feeling and it was like starting to get in my it was a spiral it was like it was in the, my middle of my back and the whole bit and whoo I had to kind of connect myself after actually after the meeting on uh Thursday I actually told him I uh, during fellowship I was like I gotta go at like five after nine I said I can't stay on I because I needed to connect with me and figure out what the heck was going on I do not know what was going on I just know I felt yeah I was feeling yucky so I think I think we all have those days sometimes I think that that's just kind of part of life whether it be hormones getting out of balance or right premenstrual or postmenstrual or didn't eat right or low blood sugar or a cold, who knows, whatever the cause. I know for me, I definitely have days where I feel like a pot simmering, right? Like everything is just below the surface, right there, just one little thing, and I could lose control of my attitude, right? Because that's the only thing I have control over is my behavior. But I I definitely had a day where, I, I, I definitely, I do, I have days where I feel like, one little thing and I can lose control of my behavior and I can spiral right back into my codependency and it's like I work all day to be mindful and aware of it and to not lose control you know that kind of transitions into what we're going to talk about you know we're going to talk about the second grouping of steps and um, starting with eight and one of the things like so step eight is making a list of all people we have harmed and become willing to make amends to them That is one of those things that I had to, like, I had to look at because in the past when I would have that simmering, yucky feeling, I wouldn't be able to connect with myself and with my higher power to be able to kind of, like, let it go. Instead, what I would do is, like, lash out to whoever was in the room with me or came across my path or the cashier at Walmart because she did something. Like, right, it would just be, I would just lash out. Yeah, oh. I, I I remember the other day, so I don't remember what day it was, but I had a crappy day, kind of like what we were just describing, and there were a couple of times at work where I would just stop, and I'd be like, guys, I, 
if I sound rough today or if I have an attitude, I just want you to know that I apologize. I really don't mean to, and I'm trying really hard to be mindful of it. And of course, my coworkers were all like, dude, you don't. You're the nicest person in the world. You, like, you don't. Just stop. And I was, but I then laid in bed that night and was able to go through the list of, did I harm anybody? And, and kind of like what you were saying, I know two, three, four years ago before working this program, going through that list, it had been like, oh yeah, I was mean to that person. I was rude there. I was an asshole there. Versus the other night going through that list. I snapped at one person, but I made an amend for it immediately on the spot. And I didn't snap at him again, right? That's part of the amend. It's not just, hey, I'm sorry. When I say I make an amend, we'll talk about that. But <clears throat> it was like, I laid in bed going through my inventory and preparing, if right, being willing to make amends, getting willing to make amends, trying to figure out if I needed to make amends. And I realized that I did need to make an amends, but I made that amends on the spot. And so even having a day like what we were describing where everything's bubbling just below the surface as opposed to three years ago where I would have been mean to multiple people and I would have just taken people's head off and frustrated and snappy all day, this time I wasn't. And I was extra mindful of it, I think. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really... Because I do the same thing. So at night before bed usually I'll just lay there and I'll reflect on the day and look kind of really it happens very fairly quickly because you know I've been doing it long enough now that just really quick a scan of my day and my 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 interactions with people and look at where were there any good I always look at the good as well because I think that's important okay I did I had this interaction and you know I feel like I handled that really well what did I do how did I do it because once I acknowledge it and I think about it I can it's easier to put it into play the next time but then I also will look at what could have I could I have done better I think what you're talking about right now is a step 10 I know we have compared it to step four multiple times, <laughs> and I think it's actually a step 10. So step 10, we'll get there, but for, so everyone, it's continued to take personal inventory when we were uh, wrong and promptly admitted it. I agree with you, it is a step 10. So maybe we should step back a little bit and come back to this because this is what we're talking about is re working our recovery maybe get to um step eight let's talk about step eight what is step eight when you're when you're getting to step eight for the first time so for me getting to step eight for the first time involves looking back throughout my life at my behaviors and my actions and who i have harmed with my behaviors it is like... So are you talking physical? Are you talking um, emotional? Both. All. Okay. Any, any type of harm. Um, sexual, emotional, physical, mental, um, intellectual. I'm sure there's a million ways I can be condescending and mean and make people do my best to make people feel stupid. And that is causing harm. I, I, I think so... For me, step eight is all about becoming willing to 
to take accountability and responsibility for my actions. Along with willingness, I think, too, it's the preparation process. We talked about in the last grouping of steps with peace with ourselves was really looking at ourselves and understanding my defects of character and what those how those showed up in my life this step is now that i've identified all of those is looking at the individuals that i've done those to yes the first three are my higher power right my interactions with my higher power the next three are really my interactions with myself and then the following three become my interactions with others and even though this program is is really a selfish program, right? This is about me. This is about working on me and changing and improving things within me. It doesn't mean that we ignore everybody else. There's still this piece where we do need to say, okay, I, I said hurtful and harmful things throughout my life to my mother that I should have never said what are those things that I said to her right because that's the way I look at it is doing the defects of character is is okay I've identified the things I've done but for me in this in this step eight is more of looking at ways that I did harm them so for it was more detailed in in an aspect so I would look at my mom for example and I would be I've called my mom a fucking bitch to her face. I've said probably worse to my mother to her face. So I had to acknowledge that I did that and a million other things. And so I could prepare to make the amends. Yes, I think that is a huge portion of step eight becoming willing to make amends is is that pre-work right if i'm not aware of my actions if i if i refuse to see what i have done then i can't possibly make amends for it and i want i'm gonna make a quick amends here real quick because i know my mom listens and i was a pretty shitty person to her and she did not deserve it maybe she's she did things to me right but that doesn't matter all I can do is look at myself and I handled a lot of things poorly and I am so sorry mom if I would have known better I would have done better Bailey. nice that was a pretty good amends Thanks. notice you didn't say anything I noticed that you didn't say anything about your mom's behaviors right when you were making that amends you didn't like say what she did wrong or why you did it or be defensive or anything of that nature I think we'll talk about that more when we talk about the actual amends step but I think it's very important to say when we are becoming willing to make amends when we are doing step eight um, a major factor in that is not having defensiveness not having blame not having shame um, I may feel guilt, but I feel as though that is earned guilt. And the good thing about guilt is that I could work through it and I can let it go. Shame is very different. It's like 
I'm embarrassed about what I did and that's not the same thing as feeling as though what I did was wrong um and shame comes from the outside I feel shame because of other people not because I don't like me you know what I mean does that make it sense does. so all I'm I'm when I was talking about this and and actually you know trying to making this brief amends to my mom I felt this inside my body in my very core like I hurt so badly because I felt all of that yuck that I that I put out to her it's not it, there was no shame to it right it was such an inner thing to feel and that's that's I think what you're talking about it's not there was no embarrassment it's not embarrassed I mean could I say for a se- like there was this fleeting really thought like god that sounds like such I mean like to say that's I'm such a shitty person and briefly think about all the people that are listening to say it there, there was there's this little flash of like oh that's embarrassing but you know what this is my journey if somebody doesn't like thinks I'm a shitty person I trust me I've already thought more about me being a shitty person than you could ever think about me <laughs> Right, so the embarrassing part for you was saying on a podcast that you were a shitty person, not that you were embarrassed because you were a shitty person. Right. What you just said to your mom, I think that was great. I think it was amazing. And and, um, what I mean by um, shame and embarrassment is like, I'm so shame when I walk through the street and everybody's pointing and yelling and I'm ducking my head saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That is not guilt. That is shame. Shame is like this deep, who I am is not okay. And who I am is always okay. Always. What I did may not have been okay. What I said may not have been okay. But who I am is always okay. And when we talk about shame, we talk about this feeling that who I am is not okay. Uh, And then embarrassment, what I mean by embarrassment, I guess, is like, I'm not embarrassed to take accountability for my actions. I'm not embarrassed to say, I was very shitty to my mother on many occasions. I called her all kinds of names, probably names you can't even imagine. Um, And I'm sorry that I called my mother names. Mom, I'm sorry. I don't know if she's listening or not. But I'm sorry I called you names. And I'm sorry I was shitty to you. And part of the behavior of that is, or the amends of that is that I don't do those behaviors anymore. Calling names is not something I do at all whatsoever anymore I there's just no reason to call a name I don't care if it's uh, jerk or butthead or stupid or annoying or whatever there's no reason for it Um, and so part of making an amends part of becoming willing to make an amends is letting go of shame of the behavior and embarrassment of saying I'm sorry right taking accountability you said something really interesting that really stuck out to me you were saying walking through the streets and saying like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry that is that is not somebody that we harmed walking through the street as who we are has is nothing to be i'm sorry for nothing 
Who? Oh, absolutely not. Right. That's shame, though. It is right? shame. But that doesn't go on this list because I didn't harm anybody by being in the same room with them. No, and nothing you feel shame for, nothing I feel shame for necessarily needs to be on this list. Because shame, again, when we talk, in my opinion, when I feel shame, when someone feels shame, shame is a feeling of who I am is wrong. Shame is a feeling of this deep, integral part of me is just not okay. And that goes against everything I believe. I believe that simply by breathing, who you are is right. You may have done something that you didn't like. You may have done something quote-unquote wrong. But the fact that you are standing here breathing in and of itself means you are right. Not correct, not kind, not loving, not nice. But being here is where you are supposed to be. Breathing is what you are supposed to do. Being alive is where, like, there is nothing wrong with who you are. So when it says willing to make amends, what do you, what do you think about that? Like, what do you, what do you think that means? That, that's what I think we've been talking about. Everything that we've just talked about is all part of being willing. I look at will, being willing to make amends is I'm open to owning my own mistakes. We'll just use the word mistakes. For the things that I did to harm someone else. It's just I'm open to it. I'm, I'm open to if the time presents itself to be able to make an amends, I will. That's it. That's all that to me that that means. I'm willing to do it if, the time, if it presents itself. And I can let that go. I don't control if it can happen. I just let it go. I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm just here. Here we go. If it happens, it happens. And I'm willing. And I'll be, I'll do it. Right. Step eight is simply getting to a place where I am now at this place where when the situation is right or when the situation presents itself, I can make an amends. It It, it is literally, right? So... If me and my best friend go to a, I don't know where, we go to a zoo and we get in a fist fight and I come home with a black eye, while I'm driving home from the zoo, I am not at step eight because I am not willing to make an amends, right? My eye is throbbing, I'm angry, I'm pissed off, I'm trying to figure out what happened, but then I get home, I have a cup of tea, I put some ice on my eye. I go take a deep breath, maybe I go to bed, I process, I journal, I meditate, I take my own inventory, and then maybe a day or two later, I get to this place where I call up my friend and I could be like, man, I really hate that I said that shit to you, I shouldn't have said whatever I said, and and I don't know what I was thinking, or I was thinking this or that, and I won't do that ever again. And maybe that friend can say the same back to me about my black eye, or maybe they can't. But I got to a place from that punch in the face to that phone call where I went from not being willing to being willing. That is step eight. So what? at what point did it shift from being step eight to step nine, which step nine is made in direct amends to such people whenever possible. 
except when to do so would injure them or others. And I want to break this up into two parts. I want to talk about the direct amends because I feel the second part, the except to do so when it um, would injure them or others, is very important to talk about. So at what point did it become a direct amends? When she answered the phone and I said, started speaking about my behaviors and my accountability. Why did it start when she picked up the phone? Because that's when I started talking to her. Okay. That's, I mean, that I, and I asked that, like, knowing you'd be like, huh? But, it, like, right? It didn't, I think that's important. You, really, the direct amends went, was started when you dialed the phone. Because your intention, probably when you dialed the phone, was to start making the, it was going to be to make an amends. Well, but she hadn't answered yet, and I hadn't started speaking yet, so I don't think the actual amends started yet. I think that's that's just me being picky <laughs> with my words, right? It's okay. Yeah, like, right, right, I'm being... Like, when we start talking, when I start... Or, or maybe I'm not making a phone call. Maybe I'm writing a letter. And that amends doesn't start when the other person reads the letter. That amends starts when I write the letter. I begin making a direct amend when I decide to. It has nothing to do with the other person at all whatsoever. They could be jumping up and down and screaming. They could be sitting quietly. They could be running in circles. They could be on Timbuktu. They could have passed away. It does not matter. My amends starts when I decide this is it. I am making an amends. And I begin to make the amends. So I love that you actually brought that up about if someone had passed. Because I think that's one of those things. It says make direct amends to such people whenever possible. Somebody would, Some people would say, well, wait, you can't make an amends to somebody that's passed. How do you do that? It's not possible. So you wouldn't make an amends because it's not possible. But it is possible because the amends doesn't have to do with them. If I believe, so I guess it depends on what you believe. I personally believe that everybody who has, I have ever loved and who has ever loved me that is on the other side, I am connected to. Um, and I believe that by speaking out to the world and putting my intention out in the universe, the person that needs it will, will, it will go to them, especially if they've passed. Um, and even sometimes if they haven't. I also believe that if you write a letter and you burn that letter, it will reach them. It is, the amends is not about the other person. The amends is about me and the feelings that I get from taking accountability and responsibility and then apologizing in a genuine, authentic way. That is this, to do that is this feeling of reliability stability, growth, adultness. Like when I see what I have done wrong, and when I say wrong, the only person that decides right or wrong for me is me. I don't care what society says is right or wrong. I don't care what somebody else says is right or wrong. If it feels wrong to me, then it was wrong. If it feels right to me, then it's right is what I mean by this. We talked about somebody that passed, right? So, okay, I can't, I can still make an amends to someone that passed. Who else would you, would be a, like someone you should make amends to? 
Well, I believe personally that we should make amends to anyone we have wronged in any way, shape, or form. So, I don't know if I agree with that. And this is a discussion you and I've had. And we have, um, so I struggle with that a little bit. And I think it's what the second part of this question is why I struggle with that. And the second part is, except when to do so, would injure them or others. I think that we need to be very careful how we make an amends to someone. And we need to be very intentional with our compassion and our kindness. And I think that maybe instead of knocking on someone's door and interrupting their family dinner, right? I'm not going to show up on my ex-boyfriend's door from 20 years ago and interrupt his dinner with his wife and kids so I can say, I'm sorry that I yelled at you when we were 17, right? That's, that, that would harm them. That would cause harm. Why would I do that? I wouldn't do that. Does not mean that I should not write a letter to that person and stick it in the mailbox and they decide whether or not they want to read that letter. They decide what they want to do with that letter. I personally believe that unless I am putting them in physical danger, putting myself in physical danger, or we are talking about like, I don't know, like an abuse situation or, um, a true victim perpetrator situation. There's not many situations that I can think of that making an amends will cause harm. But I think it's important to keep that at the forefront of our minds. I just think that in this day and age, we have started believing that things will cause harm that don't really cause harm. So I have a person that I um, that I know and she was at a very early in her um, it was late teens and she got pregnant and never told the father and now X number of years later she's like I she was considering an amends and she's like but I don't feel an amends would be I feel an amends would harm that person. And I think one of the things that I would I would say about this is we all think differently about certain things. And if she feels it would be harmful to that person and it's not something they're like that we're comfortable with, evaluate it for you. Like each person should evaluate because her thing was he didn't know about this X number of years later. Would that cause him harm and pain to know about it now? For me, there's a couple of things that go into this. First of all, is there a child? No. Okay. Because that's right. My very first side of this is, wait a minute, this is a kid growing up without his father, a father that doesn't know his child. And I did leave a piece out. So the pregnancy was terminated. So... I think that's a tricky one, right? Like, because, yes, that will cause him harm. And yes, she has to make amends for that. But I don't know that she has to make amends to him for that. Because she didn't hurt him. She took away his choice. But again, 
he has no knowledge, so she didn't hurt him. She hurt herself. She has to make an amends to herself for that. I don't necessarily believe that she owes him an amends. Right? And that's where she was. She's like, I felt a little guilty, right, for not telling him and just taking care of it. And... But it wasn't his choice. It was her choice. It's her body, her choice. My personal belief that her body, her choice. I do feel that it would cause the other person harm. He's married, has other children. Who says that doesn't harm? Because again, the last two words of this are, or others. Who says says that doesn't harm his wife? Who says... I I mean... I agree with you in this situation. I do. In this specific situation, I agree. This is not this is not necessarily one of those situations where I would show up knocking on somebody's door and be like, hey, I just need to tell you that 20 years ago I did this. Right. I don't need to write a letter. That causes harm. Exactly. I don't need to write a letter. You know what? I did this. I made, I don't want to say the word I did this. I made a choice that was best for me in that moment. And the only person that I need to apologize to or make an amends with is me. Okay, so now let me ask you this situation. Let's say when I was 19, 18, 7, 15. When I was 15. Let's say when I was 15, I stole $1,000 from my grandmother. And I know that because I stole that money, her electricity got cut off that month. Um, but she doesn't know that I stole the money and she doesn't know the money was ever missing. Should I make an amends to my grandmother? Yes. And you, I mean, it's going to harm her to find out that I stole from her. She doesn't know I stole from her. That's going to hurt her feelings. But that's a different, that's to me, that's just different, right? Because that, that is, I'm not looking out for my grandmother's feelings. I'm looking about for my feelings because my grandmother's going to be upset with me and that, that's going to make me feel bad. And so that, no, that's all about me. So me not making an amends is about me in that situation. That's the difference. For me, the, and uh, sorry, side note, I never stole money, Grandma. <laughs> me either, ever. Grandma, me either, me either. <laughs> um, but no, I do think, I really think that that's, that's a big difference. We have to sit down before we go out yelling how sorry we are. And really think, is what I'm going to apologize for, like, am I am I doing this for me? And do I need to do this? Or am I trying to do this for them? So let me ask you this. So in this situation that you said, which I really like this situation, is, is it just a letter? Is it just a verbal amends? Or is there a financial amends that should happen? So for me, if I was in this situation, I would take the money I stole plus interest. I would whatever the average credit card interest is for however amount of time it's been, if I could afford to do that. And I would give all of that money to her with a direct face-to-face, Grandma, this is what I did. I was this age and this is why I did it. And I need to give this back to you so that I can be okay with me um, right because grandma's gonna be like no I don't need your money no you're okay it's a, it doesn't matter I knew blah 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 it's about me it's not about her 
this is what I need to do for myself to make this right. Here is this money back. This is when it was. And you said something like, if I could afford it. And I think the thing isn't about the fact that you're giving the person the $1,000 plus interest in that moment in time. It's, all right, I have $200 right now. I'm going to go face to face. I'm going to make the amends and I'm going to say here is $200 and I plan on pay- yes. I plan on every 2 weeks giving you $25 until this is paid off and I and, and with interest. And then it's making sure it's not okay, I walk out the door. Now I don't have to do it anymore because it's done. No. Every two weeks, I need to be holding myself accountable because at the end of the day, I am the first person that should be held. I should be holding accountable me. And I see, and I'm the person. Oh, no, that's okay. And I would be giving her the $25 every other week. See, and I'm the person that would take and total that amount out as I thought about it. And I would literally save and save and save and save until I had it. And then I would make amends and give it all at once. That's, Again, if I could afford to. If I can't afford to, I'm going to do everything I can to give as much as I possibly can and make an amends and then send as much as I can until it's done, just like you said. But here's the thing I think about that is we're talking about grandma. Let's say grandma's 90 years old. And I'm like, oh, I want to make this amends, but I want to save. Then my there's this little piece of back in the back of my head. Well, she, what if she, you know, she dies? Well, now, right, that is are you waiting until she dies? So you don't even have to give her anything and make an amends. So to me is like, this is to make this possible. I might have to do it now and I might have to make payments because I don't want to take that easy way out. Right. Cause right. She could, oh, she could right. die in three months and then I'll have to worry about this. See, and I guess see, and I would, I don't know. I just knowing me, I wouldn't, it wouldn't take long. <laughs> it wouldn't um, be for but, me either. I mean, but, right. but I get what you're yeah. saying. I think it's important to be realistic with ourselves at the same time, right? Like I need, I know I need to do this amends for me. I know I need to, what is preventing me from doing it? And what do I need to do in order to make it happen? And being short a couple hundred bucks is not a reason not to make the amends. Absolutely. I agree. So what other situations can we think of where it would harm ourselves or others? I don't think of a lot of them. I'm, I'm All right, so a little... Here's one that I am going to... So I like to refer to him uh, as the guy that brought me to CODA. I know there's a little controversy around that feeling, um, but I've said before, that was the only reason I came to CODA was to fix that relationship. Um, I stayed in CODA. So I did all the work. I am not at a place. I could now. Let me say this. If I, I'm not going to go hunt him down, but I would, if I needed, if I saw him on the street or I was presented, HP said, you know, poof, it's happening. I would be okay with that. I would do it. But up until now, I couldn't make an amends to him because it would not, it would not have been, it would have not been safe for me because I was mentally was not at that place to be able to do it. Um, It would have, it would have probably set my recovery back. So you knew that though, right? How did you know that? Because I wasn't at peace with it. 
I wasn't at peace. I could feel it in my body the minute I thought about doing it. It was just, and you, you actually and I were, you and I were talking about this in a few, well, uh, I don't know how many podcasts ago, but remember when you were having panic attacks about your mom? Mm-hmm. You were just, you weren't ready. That's what I was feeling. I wasn't ready. I couldn't. It was because it was, I would have just, it just would not have been good for me. It was not, there was no peace in it. And I feel like an amends, it's not about I have to be at 100% at peace with it, but I also have to be at a mental healthy place to be able to do it. And if I have not worked through all of my issues in with that relationship and with that person from a place of my, you know, with myself, with a place of myself, then I'm not ready for an amends. I also so, trust my higher power will make it happen if it's supposed to happen. I'm letting it go. I'm willing to make the amends, right? We're going back to step eight. I'm willing to make that amends. I'm not going to hunt him out to do that because it just might not be the best thing for me right now. And that's okay. So what I hear you saying and what I know to be true for me is if I am not ready to make amends, I will think about going to this person and making amends and I will get some type of feeling in my body, right? For me, I get the pounding heart, the tight chest, uh, the, feel like there's something blocking my throat, my the back of my head gets real heavy feeling, like the panic attack, anxiety attack set up, like the pre-panic attack feelings. If I'm not ready to make amends to somebody and I think about making amends to them, I begin to feel that. The other thing I feel is a sense of urgency. If I feel a sense of urgency to hurry yes. up and say I'm sorry, I know I'm not ready. Right. If I want to say I'm sorry and be out, I'm not ready. Because to me, that's not cleaning my side of the street. I need to be able to say, you know, I'm sorry. There was a lot of things from the, in this relationship that I should have handled differently. And it doesn't mean it's always about the negative, right? For me, in that relationship, I let way more go in, um, and ignored and pushed a lot of stuff to the side that I should have never pushed to the side, right? It wasn't about him. It was my choices. And so even though I could sit here and say I didn't do really anything to him, because it's like, I don't even know, like sometimes I think about, it's like, I, do I even owe him an amends in an aspect of that, of, of what an amends is? Because I, I really did it to myself. The person that I, in that relationship that I own amends to was me. Because what I did was I allowed his behaviors to go and I, I, I hurt me. I was I said a lot of things in the end, the last, when we broke up the, you know, for the last, well, the last three times that we broke up, I said some shit. That's what I need to apologize for. Because I said shit that should just never, again, shouldn't have been said. I was angry and I was hurt and I said it. Had nothing to do with him. It was me. I was, I was hurting. I was scared. And I said shit. And he didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it. So once we make that amends, once we make right step nine make direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others so once we get to a point where we're ready to make amends and then we make the amends 
is there like have you ever felt I, I know for me but have you ever felt any kind of like this great big huge release after make like oh that's so much better look at how amazing this is everything's all better now because we made amends sorry it's just not that grand i hate to say it that way it's just not that grand it's never been for me either <laughs> it's always just this kind of quiet like <sighs> yeah i feel like it's things that i really should have said in the in the relationship or in the situation i think back to my mom no one no nobody should say the things that i said to my mother to my mom i should have never like and i should have known that back then i didn't i was hurting i was right years all that sorry i got i like just got sidetracked and lost my train of thought so i went off on a completely other tangent and i'll take this up no you were doing good no you were doing good you were actually still right there but like you were saying I mean, there's really no, I have never felt any great big huge, woohoo, it's over. For me, it's always been this, just kind of a, a deep sigh of, okay, I did that. Let's, let's go on to the next thing. Now there's a little bit more space and there's a little bit more peace inside. But I think that goes with the other person as well, right? And I know we're not focused on what the other, how the other person will feel, but I know for me, when I've made amends, and I'm thinking about my mom it's been kind of this and it doesn't have to be this way I'm not saying it should you know it always will be but I found when I would make an amends when I made an amends with my mom my mom a lot of times would come back as well and make her own amends to me and it was and then it wasn't like let's celebrate it was okay now there's a little bit more space in our relationship for us to move Yes, that describes it very well. I think for both people, it's not like this party of forgiveness, but the forgiveness creates a peace and a space that allows for other things to grow in place of where the resentment was. Did you, have you ever found after making an amends and the space expands that would be the space shrinks back up? Yes, I have found that that space shrinks back up sometimes. A lot of times it's new resentments or old behaviors and patterns that are still re-emerging even though the amends has been made. Great way to transition into step 10. Absolutely. Step <laughs> 10 so is... Good. <laughs> it was. It was perfect, right? So step 10 is continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So what you said that led into this was space, I made an amend, space grew, space started shrinking, and I had to evaluate other things that, that presented themselves and deal with those. New resentments that cropped Continued up. Continued to take a personal inventory. That's it. And right, that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You were talking about what you do. I also do this now. Um, and I do it because you have talked so much about doing it, so I just started. Um, <laughs> laying in bed at night, at the end of the night, and going through all the good things and the bad things that we did throughout the day. It's one of those things that I love, and I, what I loved about doing it that way was it was a good time for me when nobody else was going to get in the way of my thoughts. So even having someone in bed with me as a, as a partner in bed with me, 
they're going to sleep. I would make sure that I did this. Like they would settle in. It got, you know, you get to that point with your partner and it's like, okay, we're going to roll over and go to sleep. Right. Now is my perfect time to do this because I'm in my thoughts. There's, it's quiet. I don't need it. I don't have any interruptions. I mean, I can't do it in the middle of the day. I mean, shit, I'm trying to podcast and my kid's coming out of the bath, coming out of his room to go to the bathroom. Right. There's something always going on. I, I found for me, it was an, at night was this place where it was just this automatic silence and quietness that I could reflect on it. Yeah. And, and I definitely think that is an important part of it. And I think part of the key of this step is the, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Now, 100%. Right, that doesn't mean, that that doesn't say immediately, always. It, it doesn't mean I catch myself perfectly every single time. But what that means to me is that as I'm going through my day, I am continuing to be aware of myself and admitting when I screw up as soon as I realize that I have done something I don't want. Right. Like when I was talking about that bad day that I had uh, earlier in the week or whatever, and I snapped at the coworker, I am like immediately within 10 minutes as I turned around and walked away and turned back around and went back over to him and look, Hey, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I should not have spoke to you that way. And even there was another time where there was another person that asked a really irritating question and I took his darn head off. And I was having such a bad day that it was the same day, but I was having such a bad day that day that I just went home and took my inventory when I was laying in bed that night, like we were just talking about. And the very next morning, as soon as I saw him in the morning, hey, man, I, good morning. I hope you're doing all right. Listen, I just want to say I should not have spoke to you that way yesterday. It, I was frustrated and I was having a bad day and that is no excuse to take it out on you. Um, I, I don't want to be that person. I'm trying really hard not to be. I, I apologize. So after you did do that, after you, okay, I didn't mean to bite your head off. Do you just forget about it? No. Very, very important, right? Throughout my day, I am continually being mindful and doing my absolute best to be love, to be kind. I don't just snap at somebody, say I'm sorry, and go on with it. I know for me, my tone when I'm having a hard time or when I'm in a hurry up and get it done frame of mind is a negative thing. I don't like the way that I sound sometimes when I talk to people. And so after I apologize about it both times, clearly I'm being more aware of it. And as I'm being more aware of it, I'm really working to not allow my tone to get out of control. So I think that's where coming in at the end of the day in bed, which we were talking about early in the podcast and you just mentioned, is I bit somebody's head off. I said, I, you know, right, oh, shoot, I, I shouldn't have done that. God, that was, you know, horrible. so I go back and I apologize to the person and, you know, make the amends. But I think that's what the continuous personal inventory is. Now at night or when I have a moment, 
when I'm doing my own personal step 11, we'll just plug step 11 here before, um, is I'm looking at now I did this. Why did I do it? Why did I, this person asks an, an annoying, I usually want to, I would be a little more blunt and would have said stupid question. Cause usually that's what it is. I'm like, I'm glad that was a stupid question. But anyways, um, why, why do I feel that way? What is it about me and in me that made me feel like it was a stupid question? What is it about me that made, that triggered me to feel a certain way? That's what I have to work on. That is the, the continued work I have to do because if I don't realize why I did it, I can't do it different. Just because I apologize doesn't mean I've done the real work. Very true. So that grouping was peace with others. That is how we go about gaining peace with other people. Being being able to hold ourselves accountable, be open to discussing and making amends for our actions and behaviors, and then continuing to look at them. So that so that leads. Go ahead. <laughs> we were Please, literally saying the exact same thing. Sorry. Yep. So that that brings us to step eleven. Um, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So what what does that mean? Because that's a lot. I think that when I break that down into most simple basic form, because that's what I try to do with everything, it means I continue to have a relationship with my higher power and I ask for him to guide me. Oh, so like you actually keep up with your higher power after step three? Yes. Yeah, see, I think that is where a lot of us sometimes get stuck too, right? If we don't improve our conscious contact with God, with our higher power, if we do not maintain that relationship, it, just like any relationship that's not maintained, will fall apart. Just because my higher power is always there waiting for me does not mean that he can force me to hear him when I'm a million miles away, you know? What I hear you saying and what I hear in this is I'm supposed to be developing and feeding this relationship as well. Absolutely. So let's talk about prayer and meditation. And I, so hearing the words prayer and meditation back in the day, back early journey. First of all, prayer. Ooh, yeah. Yes, prayer prayer. was very offensive to me for a long time. Oh, yes. Right? Point at the forehead, point at the chest, each shoulder, hands, hands pointed at the sky. Right? Fold my hands, like, you know, interlock my fingers and fold them and put them in front of my chest. And, and God, uh, God is great. God is good. I remember saying that at prayer as a kid, kneeling by my bed before bed and, and asking, you know, the, you know, bless my mommy, bless my daddy, bless, you know, right? Yeah, that's not how I pray anymore. No, no, me either. 
I just no. talk to God. Like for, let, I, my God. I, so I want to say, because we haven't said it in this podcast, and who knows when's the first time somebody's listening, just to touch on, when we talk about God here in this podcast, in the 12-step programs, we are not talking about a Catholic Christian version of God. We are talking about, like step 11 says, God as we understand him. Who is we? We could we could be. Sure, if Depend. that's what you choose to believe. Right. You and I do not believe that. It, so. it could be whatever you choose your higher power to be. Your God can be your dog. Your God can be a doorknob. Your, do- your God can be the beach. Your God can be the boat. Your God can be anything you choose as long as it is a power greater than you. That's it. Anything, God is who we understand him to be. We being me, you, ourselves, each one of us on our own, by ourselves, what we choose it to be. I am not my higher power. My sponsor is not my higher power. However, in the beginning, anything can be my higher power. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I feel like that, you know, they'll say that in, in programs like, you you know, your sponsor shouldn't be your your higher power. Right. My sponsor's not my higher power, but my higher power speaks through my sponsor. Through, exactly. Right. Thank you. I am not my higher power, but my higher power speaks through me. Exactly. My higher power lives in me. What that means to me is the the advice that I need the the things I need to know will come to me if I listen to what's being said around me, what's being done. That doesn't mean that every single thing that my sponsor says I need to do. They are not my higher power. However, if I listen to them, I will hear what I need. But it goes vice versa for the sponsor. Absolutely. Because I know for me, oh, I hear way more than then my sponsee hears from their higher power. My higher power is constantly talking through them and through me. And I'll be like, damn. So I want to talk a little bit about this praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the well, power wanna, to carry that out. Uh, let's do, yes. But I want to also come back to meditation because oh, meditation yeah. is an interesting thought. And I know you know where I'm headed with that. So go ahead with what you were going to say. No, 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 go to the meditation again. You're good. Okay, so we talked about prayer, meditation. Meditation is another thing I struggled with early on. And what I thought, what I knew meditation was to, was to be om, om, right? Sit, I'm going to sit crisscross. I'm going to put my hands on my, my, my thighs and om, om, om. Yes, that's what I always thought it was too. And then somebody pointed out, my therapist pointed out hey you should try meditating and i'm like i don't like meditating it doesn't work for me that's what i would say i would tell everybody meditation doesn't work for me because of my my thoughts would wander and like i couldn't sit there very long and i just that doesn't work for me until she was like well what are you doing like why what do you mean you're not meditating like what do you mean it doesn't work for you i'm like yeah i'll sit there and i'm like i maybe make it 30 seconds and i'm done i just can't she's like well you can meditate for 30 seconds and I was like what she's like you know she's like yeah you can meditate for a minute you can meditate for five minutes you can meditate for whatever because like meditation's yours 
And then I heard this miraculous thing. That meditation is just listening. Prayer is talking. And meditation is hearing. Isn't that amazing? Oh my God, it was the best. Meditation is just listening. I like that. Oh, me too. There was there, there was another new freedom. There was another new freedom because I'm like, oh, I don't have to sit in the middle of my living room and not be able to keep my focus. I also learned your mind wanders. Just bring it back. Just recenter it, which is the same thing I do when I'm working. I'm doing my own recovery work. My mind might wander and I just get to bring it back. It's, um, it's interesting to me how once upon a time, in my mind, prayer was this rigid thing and meditation was this rigid thing. And now... Wasn't everything? Wasn't everything rigid? it It was. It really was. Now it's literally prayer is talking to my higher power and meditation is listening. I meditate when I go for a walk. I meditate when I go fishing. I meditate when I sit outside. I meditate way more often than I ever gave myself credit for. Meditation happens in meetings. Like, there's a reason we don't cross-talk in meetings. Sitting there, right? I know a lot of people will come into a meeting and somebody, everybody will be sharing and everybody's, the people that are not sharing are doing stuff and right. That's the whole point is to sit there and listen to the shares and meditate and actually hear what our higher power needs us to hear. For sure. Okay. So. Okay. So you were saying improve our, you were saying sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Well, so I was saying that the part that I think is also important is praying only knowledge, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Wait, I'm not supposed to pray for somebody else? I'm not supposed to pray for somebody else to do better, to change, to... No. I mean, right, that... I don't... That I don't believe that this is saying, Joanne is sick, don't pray for Joanne. I mean, I believe that what this is saying is that when I speak about Joanne, maybe I speak for his will to go, right? I don't know Joanne's higher powers will and what's going on in her life, but I pray that you will help her follow your will. I I don't know. I don't think that we should not ask our higher power to take care of the people that we love and or pray for someone, but I don't believe that we are supposed to be asking our higher power, like, God, bring me a million dollars. I, I need to be rich. Or change Johnny because he's yelling at me, right? I don't, like, so many people use prayer as this pinch hitter. You know what I mean? Like, we're at the final inning and there's three outs and we need our best thing to come in and save our life so that everything will be okay. And I don't. I don't think that that's what prayer's for. I think it's important to continuously and consciously daily pray for knowledge of my higher power's will and strength to follow that. So I don't talk to my higher power, air quote, prayer, as much as I listen to my higher power. 
usually for me, what I'm going to, I'm going to do is if I'm going to talk to my higher power, something will be irritating me or, or I'll feel something. I'll feel the yickiness in my, my middle of my back and I'll be like, okay, I can't deal with this HP. I can't deal with this right now. I don't have the capacity. I need you to take this and you can give it back to me when I am at a good space. And then I, that's it. That's my prayer. Usually very simple, very, I cuss at my HP, not at him, but I'm like, I'll be like, what the fuck? See, a lot (laughs) of my communication with my higher power these days is like, I'll do some of that too, but a lot of it is I'll be driving down the road and I'll just be like, why is this happening? Like, this is happening, and this is happening, and I'm feeling this type of way, and I don't know what to do about this, and will you just help me, and I'm just going to wait for you to give me a sign. Like, that is my prayer. And I love that, because, like, I to me, again, I think it's the key to this, as we understood him, is I need the relationship with my higher power to be what I need the relationship with my higher power to be. Yes. If I can't talk to my higher power in the way that I need to understand or to, let me say it this way, right? Of the two of us, you are so eloquently spoken and I'm usually all over the place. I love that about us. Um, I, in the beginning, it was very much of an insecurity, but I, now that we've been doing this a while, right? I, it's just us. I don't speak clear and concisely I am all over the place and I love that that's how I speak to my higher power well thank you for that I don't agree but thank you (laughs) (laughs) but I think that's the thing is like I know you can talk to your higher power how you need to I can talk to my higher power how I need to my higher power has to talk to me messy he's not all neat and in a, a little box with a bow right I've said this before. It's like, I believe my higher power is up there with a chessboard of my life just being like, <laughs> okay, Don, you need it. Okay, you want to learn this. Here you go. And he's just, that's what he is for me. That's what he, it, it works for me. It's so crazy how we picture our higher powers because you describe how you picture yours with the chessboard and that. I think how my higher power works, and this is what works for me, is it's it's very quiet and it's very small. It's not, not small like size small, but it's just this calm, quiet, steady, I don't hear it loud, it doesn't yell, it doesn't make crazy jokes, or it's just this... I don't know how to describe it, like this calm, quiet voice that, and it's not even a voice, it's just a knowledge. It's just a calm, quiet security that just kind of envelops me. I I love to hear other people's thoughts on their higher power. I love to hear people tell stories like about that because it's so interesting how different it is and all of it's right, all of it's perfect. Absolutely. And it changes and that's okay too. Uh, that was something I was, I was thinking earlier and I'm glad you said it. I believe this all evolves. It looks different in every moment of every day. 
It's crazy. What I need and how I do it. Yes. It's crazy how this works. It's so without even meaning to, we have been talking about step 12 as well. (laughs) No, right. So step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcohol or to other codependents, other people and practice these principles in all of our affairs. I think that everything we were just talking about is a spiritual awakening. Every one of these steps should have a spiritual awakening with it, I think. Because I, to me, the spiritual awakening is understanding myself better and differently. And that's what every single step has done. Absolutely. Understanding myself better and differently. Understanding my higher power better and differently. And understanding others better and differently. So we're so this step is really about spreading the word. This these two steps, step eleven and twelve, is basically keeping keeping my peace and sanity. Right. It yeah. I mean it is So I wanna talk for a minute about carrying the message to other people. How do we do that? Do you run up to everybody on the street and say, Hey, you're codependent and you should check this out? Absolutely not. I honestly very rarely talk about coda. Or any 12-step program in my day-to-day life. You'd be surprised how few people know that we do this podcast. My close people know. Yeah, see, I don't, yeah, my close family know. But saying that I very rarely talk about CODA or 12-step program, I lit like, 12-step program is a way of life. I live this in every single action Every day. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I'm not saying I don't slip. I'm not saying that I don't mess up and make mistakes and all that good stuff. But I live this to the best of my ability. Living it does not mean I go around telling everyone verbally all about it and what they need to do. I think that's really, really important because... When I first joined 12-step programs, I was really upset that they didn't advertise. Everybody knows about AA, but nobody knows about CODA and the ones that can help us, ACOA, right? We, very few people know about these 12-step programs, and that's because they don't advertise. And the reason that we don't go around advertising is... Because if we go around telling people what they are and pushing them towards it, they're going to run the other way. They're going to deny. They're going to get angry. They're going to be hurt. And that is not 12-step recovery. Yes, 12-step recovery is a selfish program. Yes, it is an I program. But one of the main things about this I program is that we are love. We live out of love. If I am living out of love, I am not slapping someone in the face with my reality. I am not forcing them to see what I think they need to see or telling them what I think they need to hear. That is not love. So you know, you're fully aware of this. Um, This this podcast has been part of this journey Um, for the last two and a half years. I have made literally CODA my life, um, carrying the message to other people. 
starting the meeting, starting a website, giving resources, all of that. I'm not, don't, that this is just something I wanted to do and I've, I've done it. But the reason behind doing it has not, it's not been about other people and the recognition or the this. It's really, it's for me has been, shit, this program has changed my life. And if I can offer that and help anyone give them what I have found, show them what I have found that this program that has changed my life 150% for the better, why would I not? Absolutely. I tried to carry the message. One, right, doing this podcast is how I carry a lot of the message. Two, meetings is carrying the message. Going to meetings, sharing at meetings, just listening at meetings. Um, and the main way, I think the biggest and most important way that I carry this message is by practicing what I preach. Everything that we talk about on this podcast is my real life. This is my day to day. I live with these people. I love with these people. I work with these people. I try my damnedest to be authentic and vulnerable. And it's not easy. Um, easy is not even close. If you can imagine putting your entire life out there and never knowing who knows what you've said or who's heard it or it doesn't matter who knows what because I'm trying to live the most authentic, vulnerable, honest way I possibly can. And this 12-step program in my entire life of looking and searching has been the only thing I have ever found that really made a difference. When I think of the word home, then I'm putting it, whew. When I think of the word home, I think of this program. I think of these people. I think of you. I, I, I. Yeah, that's home. CODA, for me, it's CODA. Codependence Anonymous. Um, for me, that's home. This is what home should have felt like, and I never knew what it felt like until I found CODA. It's what healthy relationships are supposed to feel like, right? I, I, I mean, during this hour and 15 minutes, we've disagreed on at least two things. Yeah. We've talked about several intimate, deep, important things, and we haven't argued or fought or gotten angry, and... We both feel safe and secure and loved. And that's what a healthy relationship and healthy communication looks like. And like you just said, I didn't know it was possible until CODA. I'm going to read one, the same thing I read the last time when we wrapped up, because um, it just was perfectly put. With the help of a power greater than ourselves, the 12 steps can be a tool to relieve our suffering fill our emptiness, and help us extend God's presence in our lives. This release of energy, love, and joy that is that are new to us. It is a program we follow at our own pace, in our own way. We walk this journey one step at a time, with a higher power's help, and with the support of others in the program. And all we need is an open mind. 
I feel like I should say amen. I know, right? That's so good. <laughs> Whoever wrote that, it was off of, and I said it last week, it's off of AA Cleveland. Um, whoever wrote that did good because that was like, whew. Yeah, that is, that is definitely perfect. I needed this today. Thank you for doing this with me today, Dawn. Thank you. Uh, and I, I love it doing this with you. So um, it's amazing. I have a thought for next week. What do we, we've talked about the 12 steps. We've talked about the defects of character. What do you think about talking about the going a little bit more into depth into the defects of character? Ooh, the characteristics you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. Let's let's talk about the characteristics of codependency next week. All right, let's do it. Fun times, fun times. All right, I'm so excited. All right, guys, thank you everyone so much. And thank you listeners. Thank you, Dawn. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.